0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 210th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now.
1: From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! Seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good. Fred Brown looking through the way to Worthy. Worthy five. The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul
0: on Michigan. They're out of timeout, And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street.
1: Gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions! Pump fake for three, too strong on the shot, that's it! The Tar Heels are the national Gagum champions! Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today. We're turning the page from Carolina's disappointing loss to Duke over the weekend and getting you ready for an important game on Tuesday night at Wake Forest. You can find that game on ESPN at 7 o'clock. And we're here to break down the Demon Deacons, tell you everything you need to know about the old Big Four opponent, get you up to speed on everything going on in Tar Heel country. Uh, We'll take a look back at the first matchup between these two teams. Uh, And then, of course, we'll give our keys to the game. And pick the game before we get out of here. But we start uh, every preview edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by our show sponsor, DraftKings. And we go to legendary Indiana basketball coach Bob Knight. Thought with Indiana getting a big win at home over Purdue over the weekend, it'd be a good time to go pull from another legendary coach in the college game. And I think this message really does apply to Carolina when he says, quote, the will to succeed is important, but what's more important is the will to prepare. And I think that's something, man, like when you look at this Tar Heel team right now, especially on offense, it's, it's almost like they just – they're showing up unprepared because they've just been really all out of sorts since – that NC State game, really, uh, where they scored 80 points, but, I mean, 36 of them came at the foul line. And and for whatever reason, at Syracuse, um, you know, this offense really struggled. That zone gave them a little bit more fits than what you're used to, than what we've, we've grown accustomed to. Uh, and then this past week alone, the way Pittsburgh and, and Duke was able to, to really – you know, bottom bottom out this this Carolina offense and really just take them out of whatever they want to do is really frustrating and really disappointing because I, I think we thought entering the year, you know, we that Carolina was going to score at will. We believe they had the the best backcourt in the country combined with the best big man in the country, which that that thought still very well may uh, may be true. But and with all of that different pieces, you know, a guy like Pete Nance coming in, we thought this offense was just gonna really be more, you know, one of the better ones in college basketball. And even though they're averaging nearly 78 points per game, that's just not the case. And the thing is now is that you know, Carolina is playing an, an important stretch of games. I mean, we we lamented the six-game stretch of February to start is very important. We thought for Carolina to have a chance to win the conference, they had to come out probably five and one. Well, right now they're 0-2. So the best that they can do is 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 4-2 and two moving forward. And the thing is, is that these games are now happening a lot quicker, quicker turnaround uh, than uh, what they've had here recently. And so the preparation has got to be at an all-time high because – you know, believe it or not, even with Carolina being fifteen and eight overall and seven and five in the league, both of those numbers in years past would be considered rather healthy enough to make the NCAA tournament. Carolina enters this game Matt Wake Forest uh squarely on the bubble. Yeah, no, this is a game
1: they have to win. Uh, Well, I said it the other night after the loss to Duke. This is a game that if Carolina loses, they're probably outside of the tournament field. And that doesn't mean that they can't work their way back in. But it puts a lot of pressure on you down the stretch to start stacking wins. And to be honest with you, you know, you look at this Wake Forest team, you look at where they're at right now, and they've got some guys that can score the ball. There's no doubt about that. But this is one of the worst teams you're going to face down this home stretch. It That that just shows you really just how difficult it is more than anything. So for Carolina, I mean, you, you are looking at it right now and saying, we're kind of running out of chances here. Um, and, and another big part of it is not only are you running out of chances just overall, you have two road wins the whole year you have not proved that you can win away from Chapel Hill consistently. You've done okay in neutral site venues, although we, the two teams that Carolina beat in neutral site venues outside of Portland, um, not all that great, unfortunately, at this point in the season. Michigan team that's probably, I mean, as of right now, I mean, they're 13 and 10. They'll have a chance to make the tournament because they're seven and five in in that big 10 conference, which is just stacked, but Ohio state's not making the turn as of right now, unless there is some miracle turnaround, that team lost Zed key and they have since been just downright awful. So, I mean, for Carolina, even, even that win, you know, that they haven't picked up big wins away from home and they've got opportunities coming up and they're going to have to find a way to do it. Um, and it's this one is is not really going to be a, a big win if they do find a way to win it, but it needs to be one where they come out, they put together a relatively complete game, they get back to scoring the basketball, and you know you just you you, you cannot, it can't even be like the game you won against Syracuse. To be honest, Carolina's one really good solid road win I would put it at this point is Syracuse so that's a game where you had to have a guy save the ball under his own basket right to one of your guys to actually win the game so it's a weird spot to be in I don't think anybody thought this was even remotely possible in the preseason I mean we were thinking okay there's a chance that Carolina and we might be overhyping them a little bit maybe but if you would have told us that, we would have said, okay, what are they, maybe just now exiting the top 25 or something like that? No, that's not that's not the case. They are on the brink of exiting the tournament field altogether.
0: Yeah, and it's just, uh, it's just really becoming, um, quite frankly, a lost season right now for Carolina because, you know, even when we talked back with, with you know, pundits in the preseason, national title or bust was probably unfair to this team final four though i think was you know like i think if you if this team got back to the final four it would hard to to be to to really look at yourself in the mirror and say well oh, this team failed and right now there's just not this belief that this team is going to make not only the final four not even the second weekend of the tournament and, and look for for the people that are it's not that I'm I, I don't want to remain positive because I I am staying as positive as I can get. What happened last year came completely out of nowhere. I mean, even with the win over Duke, it was really hard to foresee that type of run coming in March. And you know, I think the more you just get the 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 sense of the fan base. They just think that this team is just going to cut it on in March. And the thing about it is, is that, quite frankly, this team isn't good enough to wait until they get the bracket and they then they want to go play the way they want to play. There have been some teams in college basketball that could sleepwalk their way until March and play and go win a title. Um, that 9 team that won the national title was one of those teams that, Like, no matter what happened in the regular season, come the tournament, you would have been really confident putting that team in the Final Four and probably winning a national championship. And, you know, those type of teams now just don't exist in the sport because of the amount of turnover you see in the sport, whether it's players going pro, players uh, transferring and stuff like that. And so this team has got to find a sense of urgency that really should have been there when the season started and for some reason it hasn't. Let's now take a look at this matchup uh with Wake Forest and the Deeks uh enter with a 15 and 9 record overall. They are 7 and 6 in the ACC. This game will come in uh in the Joel where they have uh, they've earned home wins over at the time number 14 Duke and number 19 Clemson but uh, on Saturday, they 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 were able to snap a four-game losing streak with a blowout win at Notre Dame. Um, they have four players right now that are currently averaging double-figure scoring, led by Tyree Appleby's 18 points, 3.3 rebounds, six assists. Uh, he's shooting 44% from the field, 38% from three. Damari Monsanto, 13.7 points three-and-a-half boards. He's shooting 43% from the field overall, but 44% from three. You have Cam Hildreth's 12.9 points, 6.1 rebounds, 2.8 assists. He's shooting 48% from the field, 31% from three. And Andrew Carr is the last guy in double figures at 11.6 points, 6.2 rebounds, 1.4 assists. He's shooting 50% from the field, 33% from three. As a team, Wake Forest averages 9.3 made three-pointers per game, which is the 23rd most in the country. If you go and look at the latest NCAA tournament projections by ESPN's Joe Lenardi, which came out on Friday, uh, you're not going to see Wake Forest listed anywhere. Um, They're not in the tournament. They're not among the last four in, the first four out or even the next four out. The big reason why is that four game losing streak really took out some steam for where this team was back in the middle of January, but this is the type of win for them that could re that 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 could really jump start that conversation once again for them. They'd have home wins over, you know, Duke, Carolina and Clemson. Um they did lose at home to Virginia in a game that had they won that probably changes their NCAA tournament candidacy uh, very much so. And so with that being said, um, you're going to get a team that you're going to imagine, kind of like when you went to, to Syracuse a few weeks ago, is playing as if their season is on the line. Because in a lot of ways it is. Um, You know, because I don't think many people think that Wake Forest is a team that's going to go win four games in four days in the ACC tournament. And, and so I think, what Carolina's got to do, what they failed to do in the last two games where they've went and lost, is they the game's got to mean more to Carolina because you're going into an environment where last year you got ran out of the building against a team that is going to be uh, extremely desperate to find a way to win uh, to 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 you know start up a, a potential run to make the field a 68. And, you know, we've seen this Wake Forest team already once. We've seen the challenges they pose. Um, The the home wins over Duke and Clemson would tell you that this is a pretty good basketball team. Uh, They went on the road and scored 80 at Notre Dame, which isn't always an easy thing to do. And I think, you know, uh, uh, a short story short, Carolina's got their hands full on Tuesday night when they take on the Demon Deacons.
1: Yeah, no, they definitely do. And, you know, the thing is, is this is the second time that you're facing this team. So they already know some of what you present from the first matchup. And, you know, this was a first time around. This this was a tough game for Carolina. And, you know, they, they found a way to win by nine. But Wake Forest still had a pretty solid offensive night, despite Tyree Appleby not playing well and Cam Hildreth not playing well. Um, And those are two guys that are extremely important to what they do. So, you know, Carolina has got to be prepared for an extremely motivated team. But here's the thing at this point for Carolina, I mean, you've got to sort of be back in that mindset of, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost similar to what happened last year after you lost to Pitt at home. Um, And I get there are much different scenarios. A lot of people have pointed out that this is a team that has lost eight games, and only by a, a combined 39 points but it doesn't really matter at this point losses are losses and they are looking at the the, the tournament committee right now is looking at this and saying it's a team that probably you know is, is is right on the right on the bubble I know you can't put everything into what these bracketologists say but I mean, look, that's kind of where everybody has Carolina right now. They are that close to being out of the tournament field. So, you know, you have to play with the same level of desperation because as I said, you know, earlier, how many more how many given more, you know, how many games are given that are left on this schedule? I, I mean, I don't like there, I know you got Notre Dame. That's a team that you feel pretty good about in terms of your, your ability to beat them. But really, every other game, I mean, Carolina's going to have a fight on their hands. Um, And even even Notre Dame, that's a team that has given Carolina issues before. Um, So, I I mean, if you're Carolina, these are the types of games that you have to take advantage of. Because if you don't, it, it puts all the pressure on you to win pretty much every important game the remainder of the way. Like, if they lose this game, I, I really find it hard to believe they don't have to win. I mean, they definitely have to win the next two. You would feel like they have to beat NC State, and they probably have to beat Duke at the end of the year to make sure that they are 100% in the tournament field. And that's a spot that, you know, for Carolina, they they can't really, at this rate, I don't think they can afford to be it. Because this is not the same team as last year. We've said it many times, especially recently. This is a team right now that doesn't have the offensive firepower that they did a year ago because they don't have a Brady Manic on this team. And look, it took Brady Manic a while last year to become what he eventually became. I, I just I am not seeing any signs of that. We saw moments from Brady Manic earlier in the season last year that led us to believe that this was a team that was going to eventually be able to turn it around and, and and get it right enough. We didn't see the run coming, but at least to make the tournament field and maybe get to the second weekend with this team. I mean, we're just not seeing those signs yet. This has to be the starting point of that,
0: um, because
1: this year, I just if you don't turn it around, I don't think you're making the tournament.
0: Nope. And I'm I'm right there with you. And if that happens, man, there's going to have to be a lot, a lot of questions answered, not only by Huber Davis, but by the players this offseason. And despite what was a really fun first year, um, if you go from preseason number one, the favorite to win your conference and make the final four to missing the field altogether, you're probably looking at some sort of a reboot slash overhaul of the program, and none of that I think seemed possible back in November. So let's take a look at this game from the Carolina perspective. Of course, we've really lamented the fact that they're 15 and 8 overall, just seven and five in the league after winning 10 of their last 12 games entering last week, and had me believing they had turned the corner were becoming the best version of themselves, rounding into a championship form. They've lost back-to-back games, one at home to Pittsburgh, and then, of course, the one on Saturday night at home to Duke. Uh, Carolina does currently have four players averaging double-figure scoring, still led by Armando Baycox, 17.5 points, 11.3 rebounds. He is shooting 56% from the field. Caleb Love is second on the team in scoring, 16.3 points, 3.5 rebounds, 3 assists. He's shooting 38% from the field and 29% from three. R.J. Davis is third on the team at 15.8 points, five rebounds, 3.3 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, 35% from three. And then Pete Nance, 10.6 points, 5.9 rebounds. Uh, 1.6 assists. He's shooting 44% from the field, 32% from three. Carolina averages 17.4 made free throws per game. That is eighth most in the country. And they attempt 23.7 free throws per game. That is 13th most in the country. Uh, they average 28.4 defensive rebounds. That's 12th most in the country. total rebounds, that's 18th most in the country, but just 10.9 offensive rebounds, that's 110th in college basketball. The thing to note about the the free throw numbers is Carolina entered the game against Duke top five in makes and top six in attempts, and they fell all the way to eighth in makes and 13 in uh, in attempts after they just attempted – 3 free throws per game uh in in the game against duke and that was that led huber davis to be very animated in his in his post game presser about the, the the lack of calls he got his team his team got in durham on saturday night i'm going to go ahead and just state this out there carolina's going to shoot more than 3 free throws uh on tuesday they might shoot more than 3 free throws before the under 16 timeout Um, because I, I think you're going to, because if not Cuber Davis might, might just go bananas, whether it's on his own players for not attacking the basket or on the officials for not getting calls that he believes his team should be getting. And so, um, that, I think that'll be something to really monitor moving forward. The thing about it, the free throw shooting was, um, you know, there has been some games that, Carolina has won with poor free-throw shooting. And I told you that, look, if if they were, if they were to lose a game or two, and free-throw free, uh, free throw shooting might be something you look at, that game happened against Pittsburgh. And then the last game out, um, you, you went out there and you shot a grand total of three foul shots. Before we move on um, to our keys to the game, let's look back at, the first matchup between these two, because I think you'll see a lot of the same parallels in this game. We knew it was going to be high scoring. They're the two highest scoring teams in the league and Carolina was able to outscore them eighty-eight to seventy-nine. Uh, you mentioned Appleby, he had sixteen points in the game, but was just five of fifteen from the field. The two guys that really did a lot of work for them was uh Monsanto, who had who had 17. And then you had Andrew Carr, who had 16. Williamson on the bench added 12. For Carolina, that was in the stretch where R.J. Davis was playing his best basketball of the season. Uh, He scored 27 points. Remember, Leakey Black had his best offensive game as a Carolina player with 18 points. And Armando Bacot had a workmanlike 21.7 rebound performance. And Seth Trimble added 11 points off the bench and was perfect from the field. And the biggest thing to note was Carolina's offense that in that game was extremely efficient. They shot 52% from the field, 38% from three, and they were 19 of 24 from the foul line. Um, And and they won the rebounding margin. uh, Or they they actually got out-rebounded 33 to 28, but because they were so efficient from the field – it didn't really matter. They forced 15 turnovers and led to a boatload of points going Carolina's way. And you know, we kind of sat there and said after that game, "This is the formula." Like it was R.J. Davis attacking downhill. It was basically a two-man game, a two-man game with him and Baycott, and the other guy to really benefit with with their with their two successes was uh, was Leaky Black and then defensively you know they were able to force so many turnovers that it led to points for them the other way and you know even though carolina would go on to to win the game win some more games after that that's the best carolina's offense has maybe looked all season long was in that game cuz i thought you know with the turnovers they were running um you know they they took only 24 threes and made nine of them so they were much more just efficient from there And they were 30 of 58 overall from the field. And for whatever reason, that recipe, that formula hasn't been replicated. And I think the biggest question is why. And I think the one thing you got to note about that game, that was the game where Pete Nance left two minutes into the game. Mm -hmm. And so other guys got more minutes. Like Seth Trimble played 22. Justin McCoy played 17. Puff Johnson only played four, but it's pretty evident that when your offense looks the best, when a guy's not on the court, that maybe that guy who left the game hurt shouldn't play 30 minutes a night like he has been since he came back from the injury. And and so I think it's got to be something where Hubert Davis has got to be honest with himself. And his coaching staff has to be honest with him and tell him, this offense works better with Pete Nance not involved in it. Um, For all that talk we heard in the preseason that he was this team's best player, that's all it was. It's talk. He's a good defender. And can he make tough shots for you at times? Yes. But kind of like Dawson Garcia did last year, Pete Nance doesn't fit in the way that Carolina wants to play offense. And I'm not saying that Puff Johnson's a better fit. I'm not saying that Seth Trimble is a better fit. I'm telling you that I think the combination of those two intertwined is a better fit than what Pete Nance has done so far. And so I think the biggest thing I'm interested going into this game is how does Schubert Davis, how does his staff, how do they make adjustments to get this Carolina offense back playing to the level that we saw in this first matchup against Wake Forest?
1: Well, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to say, look, recreate the rotation that you did in that first game. It's just tough because that rotation that you're looking at, first of all, Justin McCoy should not play 17 minutes. That is that is just if, – if you want any chance of winning this game, you should not play him for uh, that amount of time. But, I mean, yeah, you want to see more of Puff Johnson. I mean, maybe you would like to see him play – that 17 minutes that McCoy played, maybe combine them with the minutes that he played and just, you know, I, I mean, I think that's, that's part of the recipe to me. I think, I, and I said this after, uh, you know, when when Nance returned from the injury, I thought, and ultimately it was pro- part of it may have been because Puff was already dealing with the knee issue from earlier in the season. I think Puff Johnson if they feel you know confident enough in him, should start for Carolina over Pete Nance right now. That, that's just, that's the point that I'm at. Um, but the thing is, is that outside of him, I mean, look, I get it. Seth Trimble played well in this game the first time, but that was really the last time that we saw Seth Trimble play well. Um, since then, since he is, at when he has entered games, uh, he just has not looked like the same player. He's a guy that, you, you can tell as a freshman, the game is incredibly fast for him. He makes a lot of mistakes. Um, he's done some good things defensively, and and maybe that's what you're banking on. But the problem for this team right now is there are way too many times where this team is playing um, with basically three offensive options on the floor. So I think, look, you can play Seth Trimble. But there is no circumstance where you should be playing Seth Trimble, Pete Nance, and Leaky Black all at the same time. Because if you are, this team is simply just not going to score the basketball. Now, this game is a little bit different because this Wake Forest team is not a great team defensively. But, yeah, I mean, Carolina, they they need some of these guys to start to get back into rhythm. And I think the last two games – and. You know, I, I, people, I've people i had people point this out and basically say that he just isn't good enough or whatever. The last two games, the difference for Carolina and the reason why they're not scoring at the rate that they were is because R.J. Davis just isn't the same guy. He hurt his finger and he hasn't been in the same rhythm since then. And anybody that's criticizing him because of that, I don't really know what to tell you. This is exactly like what we saw early in the year with Armando. He's not fully healthy, but he's playing through it. And you can tell that there is a difference in his game. He was hitting huge shots. I have P I had people telling me last, you know, after the Duke game that he hasn't taken a step forward this year. RJ Davis has taken a step back. I mean, I don't know what the hell you guys are watching to think that, but that's not even remotely close to the truth. He is projecting very similar to a lot of point guards in Carolina's history and most most notably he compares extremely well to what we saw from Joel Berry um he's having that sort of impact on this team so when he got hurt um and it's an injury that's extremely impactful to a guy that was shooting the ball well it, it's it this is what is happening um i think you know the biggest thing these last couple of games armando baycott there are times where Carolina has just stopped getting him the basketball. And I know that it hasn't been the most efficient games for him. He, he definitely had – you know, that Pittsburgh game, probably his worst game of the season. But you have to get him the basketball. He cannot go. I mean, I mean we we said it on the podcast the other night. I mean, pretty much the, the entire second half, um, he wasn't a part of the game plan. Their game plan was try to find the open shooter – then typically it was going to be Pete Nance or Leaky Black and hope it goes in. And it went in for Leaky for you know a majority of the half. But the biggest one that he had to hit, he missed. Pete Nance had missed the big one as well. So uh, you you have to go to your big man inside that you know you can trust. He had twenty one in the first game. He was seven of eleven from the field. We know that he is going to have an advantage in this game against a Wake Forest team that just doesn't have the bigs inside to compete with him. Carolina has to take advantage of that in this game because the biggest thing is, as you mentioned, turnovers were huge. That That's a stat that uh, I, I would be interested to see what it's, what it's like now for Wake Forest. But remember that uh, there was a point in the season where they had not lost a game, where they didn't turn the ball over more than 12 times uh they, 12, they they and when they turned it over more than 12 times uh they were a, a 500 team i would imagine it's a it, it's in you know a very similar standing right now so the big key for carolina is creating turnovers but getting efficient looks as well because right now they're just not a team that's shooting the ball that well
0: nope you're exactly right and that's why this matchup is This game is going to be really, really difficult for Carolina because they're going to have to go on the road and win and something that they've only done twice so far this season. And, you know, coming off the Duke game, whether it's, it's a win or a loss, there's an emotional high or low you've got to overcome. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this veteran group does respond. Well, with that, guys, we've got the scene set. We've got the matchup ready to go. So when we come back, We'll give you our keys to the game and pick the game. But first, we'll get you the latest offer we have from DraftKings. Then we come back, we'll give you those keys to the game right here on the Four Corners Podcast. Coming up next after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. I use DraftKings Sportsbook all through the college football season, through the NFL playoffs, and I'll be sure to use the same thing with these same game parlay features all at DraftKings Sportsbook for the remainder of the NBA season. Download the DraftKings app now and sign up with the code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With that promo code TBPN, Minimum age and and eligibility restrictions do apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers we've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. Let's dive right in, guys, to the keys to the game. And and this one maybe has replaced rebounding. um, Because even though Carolina got out-rebounded the other night, for the most part, Carolina's rebounding has been what it needs to be, Uh, and, and that's the new key to the game now is shot selection because it was so bad in the first half it allowed Duke to be leading in a game that had they not been given 16 transition points, they wouldn't have been leading. The game might have effectively been over had Carolina just not allowed them to run in transition because in the half court, Duke's offense just couldn't do enough. To really generate any sort of rhythm or flow offensively. And, and so this is why, you know, I mentioned that I think you'll see a lot more than three free throws attempted in the first half. Cause I think you're gonna see you're gonna see Carolina play with a different focus on offense. Because if not, there's probably no hope that this team puts it all together. Because there's really no excuse. Um, you've already done it once against them, and they couldn't, they couldn't guard you. And and so there's really no excuse to do to, to come out with that same mindset. Again, the three primary shot takers on this team should be Armando Baycott, RJ Davis, and Caleb Love in that order. Um, Kay Or uh, Armando Baycott should dictate everything that Carolina does on the offensive end. If, if, if the first, if the first post touch doesn't get to anything, kick it back out, reset, and try again. And then if that doesn't work, try it again. And then off of that, whenever you reset your offense or whatever it is that you're doing, if there's a lane that's opened up, drive the ball. Um, If if Carolina takes 27 threes and makes five or six of them again, there's got to be a really hard conversation about this offensive philosophy that Huber Davis is installing. I know he tried to defend it in the Duke game, um, and he was like, look, you said we settled for too many three-pointers. I say we didn't get enough foul calls driving the lane. If if, if that happens again and Carolina comes out and shoots single-digit foul shots, there's going to be some questions that are going to have to be answered from the head coach. And so I think that's why you're going to see a recommitment to playing inside out. I mean, how many broadcasters that broadcast the game say – That's the way Carolina should plays. And when they do do that, when they play inside out, Carolina's offense just looks light years better than it has when they don't play that way. And so um, I think that's the biggest thing for me. You know, you go back to last year's matchup, bad shots and turnovers led to, I think it was 30 points in transition or something like that going the other way. Given the way this team has, you know, shot the ball here recently, it's not – it's not – uh, easy to rule out that they're not going to come in here and take bad shots, and so key number one for Carolina to win the game is take smart shots, effective shots in the rhythm and the flow of the offense.
1: Yeah, I mean I agree with that, and yeah, they have to play inside out. the The thing for me too though is is that look, it's not necessarily a bad shot to take a three for this offense. Part of what what goes into it is you got to just start making. It three-point shots. You were so efficient at it last year, and now this year you're having one of your worst seasons historically. And and at this point, if that doesn't turn around, Carolina – I mean, look, they can make the tournament, but they're not going to be a team that can make a run because you've got to be able to knock down big shots when it matters, and some of those big shots are going to be from beyond the arc, as we saw against Duke. But, yes, there are – a lot of times we we see it every game and the other night against duke it was in that first half where it is just ill advised shots the rush shots extremely early in the shot clock um when you you can you can pass it out and find a better shot um and and it really i think the frustration at times is the guys who are taking the shots guys who are not in rhythm that night or really are just limited offensive players. And they're taking shots that, you know, at home, and they know they cannot make. That's where the frustration, I think, really comes in. And last night, or or the other night against Duke, those long rebounds, they led to runouts, and Carolina wasn't able to stop the ball. Half the time it was because there it was it was basically impossible. They had odd man breaks, and there was nothing you could do. But that is that that is something that leads to easy points, gets teams in rhythm, and takes you out of your rhythm. And look, I mean, I, I think Caleb Love has done a better job of avoiding those here the last couple of games. It hasn't been as egregious really since that Syracuse game, but he still hasn't been great. So there, there are times where he's taking shots that leave you scratching your head. And that's the thing. You've got to limit those. There, there are going to be moments. At, at this point, you just have to accept it with this team. There are going to be moments where that is going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, you want to see a focus to put the ball inside. I mean, in the first game, Carolina shot the ball 58 times. Granted, 24 of them were from three. So I, I mean that's probably going to be the range you would expect they're going to be in again. The thing is they made nine in that game. Probably going to have to be in a similar spot in this one. But they did get to the free throw line twenty-four times and made nineteen of their foul shots. So I, I think that's that has to be that that still has to be the focus of this team is getting downhill. We we've said that because it it just makes things so much easier. And you know these are guys that I think right now thrive better when they are playing downhill basketball. I thought that was the case last year when they picked up some big wins in the middle of conference season a year ago, um, before ultimately getting to the point that we're hoping they don't get to um, after you know after this game on Tuesday night. But um, that that's that's got to be the focus of this team, especially with the fact that this is this is not a team that's going to have any any way of stopping Armando Baycott the way that the last two teams have, you should be able to have success inside with Armando and he needs to be the focal point.
0: Yep. I totally agree with that. The second thing I have written down is turnovers. Um, Carolina did a really good job at not turning the ball over on Saturday. They committed just seven in Cameron indoor stadium, but this was something last year that single handedly got them ran out of the gym. And had me coming on this same very uh, podcast and having a a and an aneurysm trying to just explain what happened. Um, and, and look, this is something that the problem why this is still on here is because it's just a, it's something this team has been inconsistent with. If you remember back in in the first matchup with them with Wake Forest they turn the ball over something like four times within the first five minutes and then turn the ball over the rest of the half. And so they can be really, really hot with not turning the ball over and then they can go ice cold where all they do is just turn it over. And look, you know, Wake Forest is going to feed off of that. I mean, that's the way that they want to get their offense out and running. Um, they Then they've had so much success last year at turning over basically the same Tar Heel team. And that's going to be the same emphasis. But on the flip side, Carolina's got to remain aggressive because when they were aggressive against Wake Forest the first time, guess what happened? They forced turnovers. That led to easy buckets in transition going down the other way. And so, um, you know, I'd love to be able to come on here and say that I have confidence that Huber Davis is going to press. I don't have any confidence in that. Uh, He didn't do it the in the game against duke he did it sparingly in the game against pittsburgh whether it's the lack of depth there's something there that has got him unwilling to press a a significant amount of the game but um carolina's got to build off of the turnovers that they forced in the first matchup and use that to their advantage and realize that as equally loose as we are with the ball so are they and so, I mean, this game might have a football feel to, it, to where it, it, may, it might feel like whatever team wins the turnover battle might come away uh, w- with the win. And so for Carolina, it's you want to try to limit them 10 to 12 per game, but on the flip side, no, look, we turned them over 15, 16 times the first time we we played against them. We got to go do it again.
1: Yeah, and look, it's going to be tougher because this is a team that has taken care of the ball a lot better, even during their losing streak uh, that they just recently had. They didn't turn the ball over more than nine times in any of those games. So they're doing a better job of holding on to the basketball. Now they turned it over 12 times against Notre Dame the other day, so they are coming off their worst game in a while with that. But that was such a key to Carolina's recipe last time and with this team the way they're shooting now you just you have to get easy looks that's the best way to do it it's just about putting pressure on these guys um i thought you know for a majority of that of, of the game the other night i thought carolina defended rather well um you know i thought they did a good job of, of staying in front of guys for the most part but I think late in the game, you know you saw that that sort of fade away and and there were key moments, you know, throughout in that second half where uh, guys would just drive straight by, uh, you know, some of Carolina's defenders. That cannot happen in this game. um, but and but but the thing is is that, you know if they create turnovers, if they can get this offense out of rhythm, uh, it's been proven that that is the one thing that can really slow down a team that can score the ball at a pretty high rate. Um, I mean, they're not scoring it the way that they were earlier in the season. Um, Once they've gotten into conference play here, some teams have been able to slow them down a little bit. You've got some similar issues to Carolina at times with that team. Uh, They are a team that has some guys that aren't overly efficient from the field, but they're still a team that has guys that can score and score often. Uh, They have guys that can get hot, and they've got guys that can make big shots late in games. So Carolina's got to be able to, uh, you know, really get this offense out of rhythm by creating those turnovers, um, getting out and and running. And, look, if you do that, uh, that's, you know, it's the type of game that can serve to you running that three-guard lineup a little bit more. Um, If not, if this is a game that has to be played in the half court, then it probably limits the group that you can put on the floor because, you, I mean, Seth Trimble's not a guy that right now can play in the half court, not at a high level. So if you want to see a similar rotation to what we saw in the first game, turnover creating turnovers and, and being able to get out and run, or at least creating missed shots to be able to get out and run, is going to be important for Carolina Uh, if they want to repeat the recipe from that first game, which uh, for me, I think you have to do right now because there's not really any signs of you snapping out of whatever this shooting funk is.
0: The last key I have is to defend the three-point line. It was something that had Carolina lost the first matchup, we would have pointed to that and say that was a big reason why because Wake Forest was 10-21 of from three, uh, which rounds out to 48%. The thing you got, the thing about them this year is that they're a little bit easier to defend from three as opposed to last year, where it felt like, you know, they had five guys on the court that could, you know, realistically do damage from three point land. Cam Hildreth and Andrew Carr are both shooting below 33% from the three point line. So the two guys that you really got a key on are Appleby and Monsanto, who are two really good players. I mean, Appleby might be the best guard in the conference. And in the first matchup, they were combined 6 of 13. So not bad, but, you know, that's still almost right, right at 50%. And you would imagine with them playing in their home gym, with the crowd and the energy behind them, they'll play a little bit more life on that end of the floor. And so, you know, Carolina did a good job against Duke the other night. They held Duke to just 4 of 11 from 3 but I feel like in this one it's going to be the timely three pointers that you know there's going to be a few possessions probably that wakes going to probably be seeking to get a three pointer carolina's got to be aware of that and be able to to not allow that to happen um when they average nine makes per game i mean if you can hold them to six or seven i really think you can live with that if you're being honest it's it's avoiding them making double digit three pointers because I think you can overcome that type of stuff at home. It's going to be a lot harder on the road against a team that's, that that's going to be playing with their, with their season basically on the line in this one. And so Carolina's defense against Duke the other night was as good as it's been on the road all season long. Um, That wasn't their defense. Wasn't the reason why they lost the game. It was really more uh, in large part due to inefficiencies on the offensive end. And, um, and so uh, the first thing or the last thing think the Carolinas got to do is defend the three point line you're not going to be able to take it away but if you can limit the damage that they do from out there you give yourselves a better chance to not to win the ball game yeah
1: and i mean it's it's something they they've done a pretty good job of so far this year you mentioned that you know i, I just it it's Wake Forest offense is just – they're a hot and cold team at times. And so, uh, Monsanto, yeah, clearly the dude you have to take away. I mean, the other day against Notre Dame, he was 8 of 13 from beyond the arc. Uh, easily their best shooter from behind the arc. Um, Tyree Appleby is a guy that's, you know, relatively similar um, at times to – uh capable I mean, you look at that first game, 5 of 15 from beyond the uh or 5 of 15 overall, excuse me. Um, but 3 of 5 from behind the three-point line. So, um, you know, he he's a guy that that can hurt you. Carolina did a good job of limiting Monsanto in that first game. Um, and outside of that, you know, Davian Williamson was really the only other guy that hit you know, a few threes on you, but they still made 10 of those in this game. So that's the thing. You've got to limit it. Um, you know, it's 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 definitely not going to be easy uh against this team that is going to take a lot of them. But I think if, if you're able to really, I think Monsanto is, is the biggest key. If you were able to slow him down um and not let him get hot from beyond the arc, then I think you're going to have a, a pretty good chance to win this game. Um, but I, 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 you're right. If they let up, you know, 12, 14 three-pointers in this game, it's going to feel tough because I, I think, you know, if you're looking at that first game and thinking that's the recipe that Carolina has to recreate, the problem is they are not playing as well offensively as they were at that time. So, you know, scoring 88 points, I mean, it's possible. This is not the greatest defensive team Uh, in the country by any stretch in Wake Forest, but this Carolina offense right now is sputtering, so it's hard to see them really coming out and being able to score the way that they did in that first matchup. You've got to probably be able to hold them uh, to, you know, less than 10 three-pointers, less than they even had in that first game, if if you're going to win this game, so there definitely needs to be a focus on that. From Carolina, you gotta make different guys beat you in this game. Um, it can't be Monsanto and Appleby. Uh you gotta make them have to run their offense through Carr, Marsh, and you know, potentially Hildreth. And even that is still dangerous because they're guys that have the potential uh to score and, and score at a high level. So for Carolina, I think look, defensively, you know, they they've got to fight their tails off and they've got to do what they can to sort of take away the three. But ultimately, here's the thing about this game. you got to score. If you don't score the ball in this game, you're not going to win because this is too good of a team offensively for you to come out and just completely shut them down, uh, put up a similar performance to what we saw the other night in Durham. Carolina's just got to score the basketball, and right now I don't really know how confident you can be that they do that.
0: Carolina enters with a 49.7% chance to win the game. So it's basically an even game on the road. I don't do this often. I think Carolina loses. I I just think right now this team is in a – they're just in a funk. And I I don't know if they're going to come out of it. I, I really, I really don't. They haven't been connected all season long, um, you know, and I don't know if that's because that's – there's just something that's missing from this team. And, you know, coming off of what happened Saturday night, it's always tough to turn around and play 72 hours later even though the message I think will be, will be told to them that a lot is riding on the, on this game. If you want to still have a chance to achieve all your goals and wishes and your dreams, but Wake Forest at home has been a really good team. Um, They've been really tough to beat Carolina on the road. Hasn't been a very good team as evidenced by winning at Louisville, who is not good. And at Syracuse with a, with a, you know and and an answered prayer from the orange so um i i think carolina goes into wake forest I, I don't think we'll be mad about the 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 competitiveness in the game or the 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 care factor or the emotion i think we'll come out disappointed with the result cuz i think they'll lose their third straight
1: uh this this one's tough i i, I think i mean it's i think it being basically a toss-up is is kind of where I'm at as well. I think Carolina wins, but I think it's just like the Syracuse game. I think it'll be ugly. Um, I, I don't think there will be a turnover underneath their own basket that'll win them the game. But I don't think it's going to be a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination. I just think that Carolina is just a better team. I don't think that Wake Forest is playing anywhere near their best basketball, very similar to last year. It's a team that kind of peaked early in the year. And I think Carolina finds a way to win it, but it'll be one of those weird games where Carolina just – I mean, they'll they'll eke one out, but you will be feeling probably the same way that you're feeling heading into this game um, after it's over. Uh, I think, you know, that they've got, you know, a chance to get Armando Baycott back in a rhythm here. And I think they will. I think he'll play well in this game. I think you'll see, you know, hopefully R.J. Davis continue to progress a little bit and, and play a little bit better than he has in each of these last two games. But outside of those two guys, I still don't really trust anybody on this team offensively. And like I said, that's the key to this game. I just think you know Carolina creates you know maybe not fifteen turnovers but they'll create enough turnovers in this game they'll take advantage of them I think Carolina wins but it is going to be extremely ugly and we will still be very concerned about Carolina when we uh, come back to
0: recap this one. No matter if Carolina wins or loses on on Tuesday night, we'll have you covered at HeelToughBlog where you can go back and check out all the coverage from this weekend's matchup with Duke. Of course, I'll be getting you ready for the matchup with Wake Force with a game preview. Of course, a game recap will be posted night of as well. Uh, as for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Uh, just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Once again, I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.
1: Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.